This session is brought to you with the help of Sundial Cannabis, the natural alternative for modern wellness. Hello and welcome to Sessions by the Herb Life. My name is Tiana, your friendly sessions facilitator, and we are back for season two with a new lineup of women, mostly with a sprinkling of men here and there, who have made cannabis their business. Sessions is a podcast that aims to bring forth the conversations that are happening on the ground of the cannabis industry to generate new ideas and highlight the dedication of some of the plant's greatest advocates. By bringing together a rotating roster of people with an emphasis on women and diversity, we hope to share with you the passions, the challenges, and the triumphs of those working in the cannabis space. Much like you, my job really is to sit back and enjoy the ride. This episode, you'll hear from Zoe Helene, founder of Cosmic Sister, and Robin Griggs Lawrence, author of the book Pot in Pans, A History of Eating Cannabis, which, by the way, was released earlier this year and is an incredibly well-researched and interesting story about the origins of cannabis as food along with some very delicious recipes. Now, Robin is the author of several books and is also an editor and writer at Sensi Magazine and the founder of Cannabis Kitchen, a Colorado-based cannabis catering service. But before cannabis, Robin was editor-in-chief at Natural Home Magazine, and she and Zoe talk quite a bit about their shared ideas around cannabis as a natural ingredient, one that fits effortlessly within our shifting lifestyles toward a more natural, organic, chemical-free way of living. They discuss at length cannabis as a medicine, as nutrition, and as an overall tool for self-exploration, and also how cannabis basically makes almost everything better, including airports, according to Robin. It's interesting to me that while in many respects we should be celebrating the end of prohibition, or at least the shift towards cannabis freedom, when I hear veterans of the cannabis industry speak, I can't help but feel there is to some extent a degradation of the true spirit of cannabis. I suppose it is the world we live in that there are always going to be people who are in it for the wrong reasons, so I try to remind myself that this is exactly why Sessions exists, to bring you into the fold and to give you a direct line into the conversations happening between people like Zoe and Robin. I highly recommend you check out Robin's book and also head over to the Cosmic Sister site as they are doing some wonderful work in helping support women working with not just cannabis, but many other plant medicines as well. And without further ado, I'll hand it over to Zoe and Robin. When they asked me to pick somebody for this, you know, I know so many people like you do, and you were the first person to come to mind. Ah, that's so sweet. Thank you. It is, it is. And you know, I've been thinking about what to say here, and... The way I look at it is if I leave one thing with the listeners, it's, you deserve a great deal of recognition for the work that you do, some of it behind the scenes, some of it not so much, for you know, influencing cannabis culture in some really beautiful ways that matter to me. And it, in part, it's because I know where you came from in the natural products industry and with Natural Home, where you were editor-in-chief for, was it 11 years? 11 years, yes. And that was a very fun magazine that not everybody is going to know about in the cannabis world. But mm-hmm. to me, it, you know, cannabis is a natural product. Right, exactly. So to me, that this was, you know, moving into the cannabis world was a natural extension of that. You know, it, it made sense. It totally does. And, and, you know, for people who don't really know that it, it is an industry, even though I don't really like the word industry, I prefer the, move, the word movement. You don't like the word movement, but 
it was all about purpose-driven products, alternatives uh, for regular lifestyle, right? So organic, all of that. And mm-hmm. you can tell a little bit about about what that was like for you and how it fits with cannabis for you, you know, in, in terms of getting into the niche, uh, the community, or, or the subculture within cannabis culture that we seem to find ourselves in. Um, well, you know, it's interesting that that was something that I definitely when you know, five, six years ago, so I guess seven now, goodness, uh, when I started to start to kind of make inroads into the cannabis industry, that was really the thing that, that I noticed the most was how similar it was to the natural products industry in the early days. You know, um, there was, and, and you remember this too, there was just a, a really sense of there's room for all of us. You know, um, there wasn't, you know, there was kind of a sense of collaboration and, you know, um, it was such a small industry in the beginning that, you know, anybody coming with a new product was exciting rather than, you know, kind of getting, you know, thinking people thinking, oh no, there's not room for another one. And that's how cannabis has been, I think, to a large extent. Where, you know, it's, it's still, there's still kind of a peace, love and understanding kind of vibe there because it's small and the suits haven't kind of moved in yet. They're, you know, already clearly now they're starting to and, you know, it's a totally different world. And that's exactly what, I mean, you remember back in the day when it would be, you'd be at those, you know, parties around Expo and stuff and, and there'd be the hippies dancing in the circles and the suits kind of standing in the corners watching them. Yeah. And then pretty soon the hippies just quit going to those parties. I, you know, I think that's what's going to happen in cannabis too. I think that they're very similar movements or industries, whatever we want to call them. Well, I think what's happening is that, the, you know, the fancy hippies as Elizabeth Bass likes to call them. It's not that we're not dancing around the fires anymore with cannabis. I think that that's still happening. I think it's just we have definitely started to develop our own subcultures within the so-called industry of cannabis. Definitely. Definitely. And I know where I belong. (laughs) (laughs) Dancing around the fire. You know, Chris is a really good fire, fire. (laughs) I have some of the best conversations though, around those fires with various leaders of this, I hate the word industry. This is the truth. I just don't like it. I like to just say within cannabis liberation, that that sums it up for me, you know. But some of the conversations have been intense and amazing. Mm -hmm. There's always cannabis present, so. (laughs) So that helps. I wanted to talk about that, too, because I think one of the reasons they reached out to me, since I'm mostly known for psychedelic feminism, is this plant aspect of cannabis. And you know, when I first started talking about it, not a lot of people were out there. But you knew what I meant. Mm-hmm. And Chris and I talk about this too a lot because not everybody gets the good stuff out of that medicine. You know, it's you can't. There are people who don't find wisdom. They there there is the sort of you know what did you call it the stoner stigma. I think there are people who who indulge and do get addicted or at least develop a very, very strong habit, mm-hmm. fall into um, that that aspect of cannabis that, that turns you in as opposed to brings you out. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? Well, I mean, I, I'm always, I, I think that, that anybody could get, you know, uh, become dependent on any substance. And so I think that it, it has not to do with the substance itself, but with what's going on with the person. 
And so I'm always really hesitant, you know, when people are like, you know, they, they throw out these statistics, you know, well, only 9% of people get dependent on, you know, get addicted to cannabis. Like, first of all, who knows? Like, I, 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 I suspect where these come from. But the other thing is, um, I, I just think that, that, that it's so much more complicated than that. And we can't ever blame the substance, right? So if cannabis did not exist and God never gave us this plant, um, you know, I, I suspect that the people who become addicted to cannabis would find something else to ease their pain, right? So I, I really think that we've got to be super careful about, you know, just, just saying that this is a substance that you 9% could or whatever could get right, addicted right. to, you know? So, so I think, um, you know, it affects everybody differently. And um, I don't think it's for, for me or anybody else to, you know, to, to say how it should, you know, I mean, for some people, it may be that, that they like that aspect. I like the going inward aspect sometimes. I, I, I'm not yeah. against that, right? Um, I, I enjoy it. It's, it's uh, something that, you know, I think is a, is a cool part of cannabis. So, I mean, I think it just is, is um, we just have to be really careful about, you know, and, and I think, you know, we, we have that a lot too. And, and you and I have talked about this. Um, I prefer cannabis um, over alcohol as an intoxicant if we want to, you know, be comparing intoxicants, um, but they're so different. So, um, you know, I, I just, I just think that, you know, you, you can't, it, this is, it's a tough conversation to have because I don't think you can just say black and white alcohol, good cannabis, bad. Um, I prefer cannabis myself. Um, and I actually have a daughter who I, um, you know, now that she's 21, uh, I would say, um, and she's in Colorado where it's legal, I would say, um, you know, uh, I would I would push her that direction um, just, you know, because she's on a college campus and all of the bad things that happen with alcohol culture. But, um, but that's a preference. That's a preference. And, and I just think that, that we don't need to be pitting the two against each other. We need to be kind of looking at it as a whole. Yeah, it's the booze versus vape. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah, and no, and we've had this conversation too, and it's interesting to think about the fact, like when we were in college, it was illegal, and I know that I, I've shared with you that I had a scholarship I was afraid to lose if anybody found out that I worked with cannabis, and I was working, mm-hmm. with it. I just wasn't aware that I was working with it. I was. I never mm-hmm. took it go out and get stoned. I, I was an art student and I really worked on my craft, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I remember that, you know, in those days it was all this hidden culture, whereas today, at least in legal States, you can, I'm not saying you go out and you want to flash it around, but you can just tuck this little vape into your, <laughs> no, I just, I just saw something really funny on Reddit. Yeah. And it was like, you know, back in the day and you'd go deep into the woods and it, you know, <laughs> Your hair, you know, you'd have a, you know, all of your make sure you didn't smell, and you'd wear a hat and everything, and and then, you know, like today, it's like, oh, I'll just take a vape in Target. Why not? You know, <laughs> I mean, it's 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 crazy, but it's true. I mean, there, it is definitely, you know, and and for and edibles. I mean, my gosh, you can, you know, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, edibles is just so discreet. That's the best, right? Totally, totally. Bad. I, you know, I guess I, I'm not this. I think this is I was thinking about this actually the other day in the airport. And I was just, you know, I had had, you know, my edible before. And so I was just kind wow. of having a lovely, you know, walk through the airport, not stressed about anything. And I was thinking, you know, I think airports are a better place since people are able to do this. I, I do. I think I think it's improved travel. I'm laughing because, you know, Chris will definitely indulge right before getting uh-huh. on. Me, it's the worst. 
It's really? Funny. Yeah. Oh, no, I can't do it. But I, I'm one of those ones who can't get in the car either. Really? So, you, so are you just like paranoid? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, when I drive at this point, I just get ridiculous. You know, I normally hear all the networks of remembering how to drive just seem to have evaporated. All of a sudden, I'm yes. oh, my foot. And, you know, it's ridiculous. I go two miles an hour. So I, I have learned. I know that. I think it really comes down to what we talk about of knowing yourself, right? Yes, for sure. Yeah. That's the hardest thing I'm, I'm finding, thinking about these cannabis talking circles. You know, how do you work with people who don't know their dose? I mean, what do you do when you're catering? Um, well, we, we, you know, I mean, in Colorado, we've been saying this for 10 years now, but it's start low and go slow. You right. know, and, um, you know, what I uh, a lot of times tend to do is start people off um, with a mocktail that has a water soluble, like a ripple, um, water ripple or uh, Ibu makes one. Uh, Terrapino also makes one. But um, that is, a, you know, you, you, you buy this in the dispensary. You know that it, you know for, for sure it is 10 milligrams because, you know, it's been processed that way. Um, and that's a great way to just kind of see where people are because, you know, you can really, you know, it's 10 milligrams um, and you can see how they handle that and then see if they, if they want more. Um, most people are on my side and erring on the side of, of not having, you know, of, of starting low. And what I always tell them is, you know, um, you can always eat more, but you can't eat less. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> you can't eat something. So, you know, so, so yeah, so we just, you know, it's, it's a slow process. And, you know, if you get, if they get to the end of the meal and they're like, gosh, I really am not feeling enough. Um, you know, then we can give them an, you know, another ripple, but they, you know, I just, I just would rather have them, you know, not have enough than have too much. So, you so we're on the side of caution when you're always, cooking. Always. Mm. And especially, you know, it's interesting because a lot of times there's, they'll be smoking as well. Right. Or they'll be drinking wine, which we really discourage, but you know, if people want to, we're not going to tell them not to. So, you know, I mean that, that, but that really exponentially changes things. So you've got to really be aware of, you know, not just how many milligrams of THC they're getting, but also, you know, what else are they imbibing? And also, um, you know, what, how fatty is the meal that they're having? Cause cannabis is, you know, the cannabinoids are fat soluble. So right. if it's a super fatty meal, they're going to absorb more cannabinoids, right? Um, also, you know, just the set and setting, all sorts of, you know, all of the things that go into it. So, um, it's a, it's a big responsibility and, um, it's, you know, to me, it's as big a responsibility as, you know, I actually ended up not teaching yoga cause it was such a huge responsibility and I was always worried I was going to injure someone. And I feel that same level here. Like I really, these people are my charges for the night and yeah. it's our responsibility to make sure that they, you know, don't overindulge. What I usually try to do is make sure that, um, you know, not infuse the main dishes or the main food itself, but in, but do a sauce or, uh, you know, um, salad dressing or something like that. So that, you know, like we just did a birthday party and we had cupcakes, but we did not infuse the cupcakes because by the end of the meal, there may be people who are like, wow, no more. But we had, you know, <laughs> then we served ice cream with, you know, infused caramel sauce. So, so you, had, you feel like you haven't gotten enough from the meal, you have the dessert. Exactly. You can then you can put the sauce, you know, you put the caramel sauce on your ice cream or not, or you can just have a cupcake and, and be done with it. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Um, it seems like to me, if it was something like a wedding party or an, a family event or something like that, 
that it could really break the ice, although then you have people of different generations coming. But that's also shifting. I mean, you know, my dad's older. He's 92 and he's never touched anything. But my mom is like, she's curious. Mm-hmm. That's good. My mom is not. <laughs> my mom will never touch it. Ever. Well, you know, we think about my mother trying and it's not as if, as if we've, uh, you know, given her any to try. So yeah. <laughs> that could probably be very, very cute on it. <laughs> yeah, interesting stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's interesting though when you think about you know these family events. Chris and I talk about this sometimes. Just you know, even just adaptogens. You know, if you get everybody as they came into the wedding party, you know, a drink with really really good strong adaptogens in it, then I think that the the whole event might go better. Or something like kava, right, from the South Pacific which is supposed to be this, you know, you cannot hate with kava in <laughs> resolving conflict, right? So I feel like cannabis has that that same kind of thing, but instead of somebody getting sloppy drunk and saying, oh, I love you, oh, I love you, man. You know, it's like you get a little of that with cannabis, but it, it seems so much more genuine. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, it, but it is true. I mean, it's definitely, it, it's, you're less likely to have kind of the brawls, I feel like. Right, right. Like, I've never seen a cannabis brawl, have you? Um, no, I never have. I never and yeah, I used to, I, I used to think about that a lot. Cause you know, my mom, when my daughter was in high school, I used to, you know, a lot of, and her friends would be around and they would all be talking, you know, and they'd be telling the story about, you know, someone who got, you know, drunk on the party bus at homecoming and, you know, uh, you know, mm. got naked on the part the, the stripper pole or whatever. And, and, I, and I just oh. always would be thinking like, <laughs> this would not be happening if they were smoking weed. Like this, yeah, is, right. this <laughs> was not that is the girl who was too high did not do that you know yeah I think that goes back to the original you know put the vape in your pocketbook before you go to the frat party thing yeah for sure for sure. I mean, it's, it's, and it's just, you know, it's that whole difference of being an inhibitor, you know, you know, an inhibitor as opposed to an uninhibitor, um, you know, and, and, and in, in that type of situation, I, a little inhibition is probably not a terrible thing. Um, so, uh, yeah. Your own high also, right? Like it's in your pocket. Nobody can slip. Right. Away. Exactly. In the sage of roofies. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. It's horrifying to me. The statistics just keep, it seems like they're growing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know because when I spoke with my mother, she said that every single one of her friends in college had had that experience. Well, who knows? Yeah. I mean, I think that is the thing. We're just now starting to talk about it. So, you know, we all thought that we were the only ones because we weren't allowed to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And the patterns are the same, you know, someone whose grades are really high and then suddenly they plummet and right. vivacious and friendly and now they're quiet and brooding. And, you know, I, I, there are quite a few of my friends mm-hmm. and tell this tale. I don't know how I managed to escape that one. I got other things, but I did yeah. not happen. And I know that it, it, it can completely change the course of a young woman's life. Yeah. So yeah. it's serious, you know, and I feel like, that alone, if that was the only thing that people looked at for legalizing in different states, I would think that would be enough. 
Well, I mean, there's there's so many things that you would think would be enough, but uh, <laughs> right? I mean, it, it's so ludicrous that you know, and and I mean, it's it's so ludicrous that we now have you know basically white men in suits making millions of dollars on this plant while we have people of color uh, rotting in jails cells. I mean, that's just that's wrong. And you know, it's so that- wrong, and in their private prisons also. The what? The, the, the privatization of prisons. Denver just kicked out the private prisons, which is so I huge. That. I love yeah. that. I know. I mean, I'm kind of proud of Denver. What's Denver's been doing some cool stuff these days. But uh, yeah, very pioneering. And you know, and we were mm-hmm. talking about the pioneer spirit too. You know, because we were. What was it you said? You know, about always being first. Right. Right. Not even. Not necessarily being the best thing. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, yeah, exactly. Like really being. Early, an early adopter in something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love it. I, I'm the same person. It's not the person that makes the money. No, no, it's not. It's the person who gets the word out. And then someone comes up behind once the word is out and scoops up the money, um, which is a little bit story of my life. I'm trying to make, change that. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm right there with you. But, you know, here's the funny thing. I've also started to think that this just may be my nature. Yeah. I love being the person, you know, being on their front, the cutting edge. And I love that atmosphere and the people you work with and who it attracts. It's very true. It's very true. They are definitely, that's when it's more interesting. I agree with you. And it's, it's the people are more cutting edge and fun and, 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 and you're creating something as opposed to just kind of doing something like everything you do is brand new and a first. And that's, that is really fun. It is really fun. And we are creative. Like you said, that's what it is, you know, Mm -hmm. and and it's this it current, right? It's this, it, you know, and yes, it is entrepreneurial. We are doing well, but we're just not the ones that reaping in those millions of dollars, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it can still happen, right? It's still, oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of counting on it. <laughs> yeah, well, that, it, I hear you. I, hear you. Well, I want to go back to the, these two parts of it because they're so important to both of us. The social justice aspect of the environmental aspect. Mm-hmm. And the environmental aspect is, is really large in, I mean, both are, you know, both of these large sets that you could drill down into and really go or really go wide. Like social justice, just like you're, you're talking about the, the prisons, there's so many different aspects of the social justice here. Grow your own is also an issue. Like, what if you can't afford? those prices in those right. you know, stick. I mean they're really expensive some of them oh man yeah you know I, the, I spent the winter in California and um with the taxes that they're throwing on top of it it's insane it's insane like yeah I don't know how people are doing it and you know unfortunately that's why the black market continues to thrive there because well, that's true and that's another part of the social justice is people aren't getting not allowed they're not giving us access to the industry they're not giving these licenses to open stores and i mean frankly i live in the happy valley here the west western massachusetts there are so many amazing growers and they've been growing for years mm-hmm. organic biodynamic regenerative you know it's a beautiful beautiful medicine and mm-hmm. they don't have the money to basically buy into the right. local you know legal scene it's wrong mm-hmm. And it's, of course, they can grow their own, right? But they can't make a living at it. And this is their this is their passion and their expertise. So I don't like that either. I think that's yeah. social justice. 
It's yeah. Well, it's, it's, I mean, it's happening in California as well. You know, I mean, all of these, you know, uh, Emerald Triangle growers who, you know, generations have been growing and, and, you know, the small growers are not going to be, who's going to win there. And, you know, that's going to be the biggest market in the world. So, um, you know, it is, it's, it's like with, you know, it's always a two steps forward, you know, whatever, one step forward, two steps back, whatever that, <laughs> that goes, but oh, I feel like it's 10 steps forward, eight steps right, forward. Exactly. Um, I mean, you know, that's going to be where, you know, unfortunately it's going to happen. What happens to every industry, uh, in, in our culture, right. It's going to, the big boys are going to take over and, you know, we've already got them. They're already circling, you know, we, we're oh, all seeing that. So, um, you know, it's inevitable. And I think, you know, in, in a way, we kind of just have to have the most fun we can have until that happens. Oh, oh, oh. I'm, I'm going to keep fighting. <laughs> okay, good. I'm an optimist, you know. I know you are. <laughs> I'm incurable. But I feel like, you know, this is about cultural influence. This is what I'm talking about with you. And this is what I do, too. So, like, I can really see this with you. And, of course, you know, I, not everybody thinks about influencing culture, but there are ways. And, you know, both of us would have been really good in an ad agency, right? Mm-hmm. But we don't choose to do ad agency work so much as put other kinds of, um, you know, language and ideas out there and present them in a way that people embrace and want to be part of. And we celebrate people who are part of that culture. And I think it makes a difference. Mm-hmm. I agree. Agree. I think that's that's a lot of what you're doing with your books too. Um, yeah, well, I mean, I think in, in just getting solid education, especially about the cannabis plant, because uh, there there isn't any. I mean, we, we just after 1937, it just stopped. So you know, I mean, that is to me, it's it's just it must be done. Like I don't even, I feel like there's not even a choice in that. That has to happen. People have to understand this plant, and we've got to kill that stigma. Yes, the the Cheech and Chong stigma. Yeah, yes, you know. No, and I just wanted to clarify there. When I said going inward, I didn't mean it like that. You know, I I really Mm -hmm. the people who want to shut down and close off because they can't face their pain. You know, where I think that that working with any sacred plant is really about facing that pain and moving through and beyond it. That's what I meant. But I, I too go very inward, and I think that's part of the word. So that was a poor choice of words on my part. Well, no, I, I think I knew what you meant too. I mean, it's a, I mean, and that inwardness can then, you know, also be, uh, you know, just shutting down. I guess shutting down was more kind of what you were saying, but yeah, I mean, it, it's anything. I guess anything to extremes is not good, and that's that's true of anything. When we were in Peru in the Maloca together, and you you got a message from the ayahuasca about cannabis, and I can never remember exactly what it was, but it was around this subject. All I remember is you came home and you signed your book deal with the Cannabis Kitchen Cookbook. And you had the the deal in your hand, but you weren't sure whether you wanted to take on a book, you know. And after that experience, that was one of the first things you did when you came home. But I forget what exactly you got with ayahuasca about cannabis. Uh, You know, I mean, I I think that the... The biggest thing was, you know, was and when we really touched on it earlier was um, uh, that, you know, this is a substance that can be abused. 
you know, as any substance can be abused. And, um, you know, if, if you are abusing it, you know, which, which I was, you know, before I went to, um, Peru the first time and did ayahuasca, um, I was in a pretty deep depression and, um, you know, it was a, it had a lot to do with circumstances and, um, uh, I think it had a lot to do with just brain chemistry. I think, you know, um, I'd hit a time in life and, um, and ayahuasca really bumped me out of that. And as part of that, um, I used cannabis less. Uh, I, I would say that I was relying on it, you know, as, um, probably more escape than going inward. Yeah. And, um, I came back. I came back and and didn't touch it for um, a couple of months. Wow, that's that's great. Yeah, and it was just you know it wasn't like hey I know I'm gonna go you know I'm gonna have another day without cannabis. It was just sort of like you know I let's see how I am without it. I want to make sure I'm fine without it, and um, I am. You know, um, so for me, cannabis is something you know I have to. I, if you use it all the time, I mean, it's interesting in this industry because, um, you know, there are, uh, there's a lot of acceptance of, you know, I'm going to just, you know, this is my tool and or whatever my medicine and I, I use it every day, all day long. And that's fine. Well, I'm that person though. I can't do that. I need, I, I like cannabis. You know, you, you talk, we always talk about my cannabis edit. Yeah. Where I like to, you know, I like to use some cannabis um, and then, you know, edit a piece that I've been working on or or of yours or anybody's, whoever's, um, because I have a whole different head. You know, it just so radically changes my perspective that it gives me this great, you know, just it's like it's like a different person. It's like I have a new editor. Um, And, you know, but if I were kind of stoned all day, every day, then I wouldn't get that anymore. And I think that's what had happened to me before I'd gone to Peru is. You know, I was just using it a little more than I think was super healthy. It wasn't as conscious a choice. It was more of a you just reached for the vape or whatever it was or an edible. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It was just, yeah, it was kind of a, you know, hey, this is, this is, yeah, this is what I do. And this is, but it was, it was more constant than I, yeah, than I wanted it to be really. So, um, and, and I think, I think anybody with anything, you know, if, if you have the, you know, luxury of it, to take a break and you don't need it for excruciating pain or whatever. Um, you know, I, I think it never hurts with, with anything. And again, you know, this is not cannabis specific. I think, you know, anything that, um, you know, we're like, I mean, I would do it with coffee, but I don't know that I'd get through my days, but you know what I mean? Like, I'm not <laughs> on coffee. It's the stuff you put in it. If you put sugar and milk, that's the not so great, but the coffee supposed to be excellent for you if you have an organic brew again right no i mean i i I see those studies and i'm like yes (laughs) i think this is a good segue into the environment because we just mentioned organics again and we should not assume that everybody is up on that because this is one of my pet peeves is you know it's not all about us like you see in whole foods and places like this you see these teeny little juice packets of what chris likes to call 10 year old trash right that'll just never go into the earth and this little teeny thing right this package to mimic the other so-called conventional mainstream americana brands you know that it's made to mimic it so that your child doesn't feel weird about bringing the organic brand to school right because pressure is everything and yet okay so your child is getting organic fruit juice so they're not in those toxins are not going into their body, but yet that trash is still being put into the planet. So the other animals are hurt. That's, 
that's part to me of, of why um, of where the connection is with cannabis and the environment. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Because you talk a lot about the, that your own personal health, you know, eating the eating the plant, including the the actual fan leaves and things like that, and the health aspect of it is one thing, but the organic is also, it's not just for our bodies is what I'm trying to say. Well, I mean, are you, so are you talking, I mean, and when you're talking about packaging, I think that um, the industry is just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it's so over, I don't know what the, the rules are in uh, Massachusetts, but um, in Colorado and California, I mean, so insanely overpackaged. Um, that I, I'm just, yeah, I'm blown away by that part. You know, it's interesting when I first got my, my med card nine, 10 years ago, um, you know, you would go into the dispensary and it was jars of cannabis, you know, jars of flour, right. the smell and everything. Now you go and it's like going to an Apple store. Right. You know, it's like, get me my digital thing. Right. There's, you know, and there's yeah. one sad little like corner with a couple jars of flour. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's a pollution, right? It's well, I mean, it is, but it's, I mean, it's interesting. So we're really getting, I mean, you know, we're really far from the plant. So, I mean, it's, you know, there's, and, and there, and, and yet we also still have the, you know, how that plant is being grown is then being concentrated and extracted and processed. And so like all of the crazy pesticides like Eagle 20 that they are still using to grow that are getting concentrated and, you know, all of that. So um, God knows what we're doing with some of these products. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a grand experiment that with with no regulatory oversight. So there's no organic certified cannabis either. No, I mean, there are third parties that are trying it, but they're not making a lot of traction. It's wrong. Um, it's crazy. I mean, it is, you know, especially it, it kind of breaks my heart for people who are using this as truly as medicine. Yes. Right? I mean, so you have people with seriously compromised immune systems who, you know, the last thing they should be getting is, you know, Eagle 20 in their lungs. So and that is very true. But if you think about the alternative, then what are they going to get? A prescription drug to take to get? Well, I mean, I, they could get organically certified, you know, certified organically grown cannabis. Well, I yes, yes uh, that would definitely yeah. be better. And I mean, you know, but that goes back to the same old thing, doesn't it? That we're back to the drug companies, the actual drugs and pharmaceutical companies. Well, that's another scary thing because that's coming. You know, that that will that is coming next. And and once that happens, then, you know, what's going to happen to our access to this when when you have to have a prescription from a doctor in order to get it? Right. That's happening with the other sacred plants, too. It's not right. Yeah. It's one thing when it is a synthetic psychedelic and it's another thing from the earth. Yes, exactly. Well, because humans have, have been working with these plants for as long as we know. Yes. I mean, we really don't know when it started, but, you know, married to an ethnobotanist, it's pretty moving around that the humans find it. Yes, yes. And then, you know, and then it, it, it informs their culture and how they okay, Well, and, and, you know, if you believe, uh, you know, if you believe the, the ethnobotanist, and that's why, you know, we tried it, and then we invented religion. So, <laughs> right. Language too, they said. Right? Yeah, it was really responsible for the, you know, these great leaps in humanity. We're very strange. 
uh, we are very strange. The thing is that I think that many of the the older, you know, these these ancient civilizations that were so astounding that really did there were big leaps, you know, leaps ahead that happened with mm-hmm. there were sacred plants present. Mm-hmm. That were their lives. There were no laws around not using it. Right. So, so we've been denied that, and now with these, the, you know, we're, there are certain people trying to push it forward and get it legalized or at least decrimmed, right? There's the decrimmed nature of people who are really great, and psilocybin mushrooms were just decrimmed in Denver, is that right? Yeah, that is correct. Uh, they didn't have, like, cocaine and opium, right, but, which are both plants. They did not decrim those, but they decrimmed ayahuasca, they decrimmed also mushrooms, and I believe Iboga too. So, I mean, it's pretty amazing what they did, but they just left those other two out because the truth is that cocaine and opium, you know, from the plant can be extremely addictive. And mm-hmm. one thing when you do the responsible journeying, you know, but it really is an addictive subject, a uh, substance. So it's hard not to get addicted if it's around. Yeah. That's what I yeah. understand. But it's still a sacred plant with a you know, with these psychoactive properties that can you can journey with. And it was you know, it is from the natural world. So but yeah, they've just decrimmed and now there are these other people who are working to create these pharmaceutical drugs that you have to, like you say, get a prescription for. Mm-hmm. And I'm worried about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very worried about that. So this comes down to, you know, our, our rights to what we put in our own body and our, our, our natural right to work with these plants, to have our, our, our minds do what we want them to do. Right. Right. I mean, isn't that what it is? What if somebody takes it away from us? I guess that's one of the reasons I fight for the grow your own movement, which I just happen to love. It's also because you can grow organically. Right. Exactly. You can have control and you have a relationship with the plant. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. I think that, that's the most amazing part to me. I mean, that's where everything changed for me when I was able to grow my own, you know, just, yeah, my whole relationship with the plant change. And, you know, I remember, uh, you know, my son was in college at the time when he was in college and, you know, some of his friends came over um, and saw my plants and they'd never, you know, these kids have been smoking for, you know, some of them for like 10 years yeah. at that point and they'd never touched the plant. They'd never even seen the plant. Like they were like petting it and, they were like, oh my gosh, like they were so in love with it. And I was like, you know, it was such a cool education for them to realize like, you know, this thing that I love to do um, is connected to this plant. And, you know, like it was just such a disconnect, but, you know, that it became something that they had to like, you know, go underground and get from a scary dealer yeah. when it's a plant. Like, you know, so true. And it's, it's always this job of pulling people back to the plant, to the nature, right? Right. Yeah. And it is a fascinating plant. I mean, you're not, we're, we talk about she because, you know, the, the psychoactive part comes from the, the female plant, but the hemp people talk about the male because they want the seeds. Right. Right. Like the hemp nut oils and things like that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So it's not always she, it's really just the cannabis plant. And, Right. And this goes back to your cooking with cannabis because, yeah, we talk about the, you know, getting high part of it, you know, ingestibles and edibles rather, you know, like eating, eating a, a wonderful um, spaghetti sauce that's infused, right? But mm-hmm. the pesto that you can make from the family if you're growing your own. 
Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. It's fantastic. And being able to juice them is also great. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just, there's, there's nothing like growing your own. I think I, I you know, I, I would wish that everybody who loves the plant could experience it at least once. Cause it really does. It changes everything. I have not tried juicing. What, it, what does it taste like? It tastes, you know, just like a kind of, it's a bit bitter. Like, a, you know, you don't want to have it alone. I usually, you know, I would put it with other juices, you know, put a bunch of other stuff with it. Like usually try to put something like apple and, you know, like even ginger or something to kind of mask it. Cause it's pretty bitter. It's like kale. Like I always put a little. Yeah, like exactly. Or, you know, like wheatgrass or whatever when you're, you know, it, it's, it's got that kind of, you know, very earthy, um, slightly bitter nice. taste, but we're good for you. It's great for you. I mean, if you believe, you know, some of the doctors that have come out with it and stuff. Um, I felt better when I was doing it. You know, I'm not in a place where I can um, grow this year. And uh, this is, you know, the first year and probably six years that I haven't, I'm not harvesting and it's hard. I really, really miss it. And I really, really miss having, having all those fan leaves. Yeah. I used to make a ton of pesto and just, you know, put it in the freezer and, um, yeah, you know, you had it all winter, which was it was great. Yeah, our plants are growing, and it is really lovely to watch them. Oh, you know, maybe this year I will, I will just make sure to take some of those leaves and try to juice it. I'd like to try it. Yeah, it's 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 good. It's I mean, it's it's worth doing, and it's you know, kind of crazy to those are good, you know, food. Those leaves it makes me crazy to see. Yeah, they're, they're all just, you know, I couldn't, you know, I have friends who are growers here, but I can't get leaves from them because they literally have to weigh them and throw them away. Oh. They have to like, right? Because, yeah. What we're talking about is this frustrating slowness of our culture. I mean, I just keep thinking at, at some point, there's going to be something that's going to happen and it's just going to change out a dime and suddenly it's going to be federally legal. I, I, I really, truly believe that's going to happen. But I don't know what the thing will be. I just think that it will happen. It's going to have to. It's it's getting too complicated. You know, now that um, CBD, you know, and hemp is legal federally, they can't figure out like what, how do they, how police officers have never known. The reason they made hemp illegal in the first place is because they can't tell the difference between, you know, marijuana and hemp because and they're the same plant. So many people are writing for these big magazines that really have no clue. I mean, there it's really bad here. I mean, the Boston Herald is the worst. Is it really? Oh, that's too bad. They clearly have no idea. They're so against edibles. And these people who are writing, the, the journalists, obviously have no experience with edibles. Mm -hmm. I mean, one thing that's hilarious is social media. So any, if you actually go to the Boston Herald on Facebook and you follow the page and you wait for a cannabis article to be shared the comments are very funny and they're mostly people like us interesting and there are thousands of them mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's where it's really happening in the comment sections uh, we don't have a lot of time but i want to talk about pot and pan yeah i love it i love the book i love how it feels in my hand it's really good Thanks. And Thanks. You know, you're such an, a brilliant writer, so it's also a great read. But I want to ask you, what was the biggest surprise or maybe one of the most fun things that you discovered? Because you researched a lot. I did research a lot. Um, gosh, there were so many things. You know, um, I think the story that, that is kind of just the most fun and, and, and was the, the really fascinating to untangle 
was the whole pot brownie genesis. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, how the pot brownie was really, you know, it, it originally was actually majun, which is a, you know, a, a, a cannabis treat that goes back to ancient Persia um, that Chris, your husband, makes a wonderful version of that's in the Cannabis Kitchen Cookbook. Oh, well, yeah, we call it ceremonial. Very strong. Yes, yes, they were. Yeah, I've, I've, uh, I've had Chris's majun on several different occasions that have embarked on hilarity. But, um, yeah. So, but I think, I think that was the most fun, just kind of teasing out that whole story and how, you know, in Alice B. Toklas's cookbook, it turned into the brownie and then, you know, or basically in the movie based on the, you know, the cookbook. Um, so I, that, that story was just really fun because I just kept kind of digging into it and finding more pieces of it and, and figuring out, you know, how this happened. So um, I think that was the most fun, but... Gosh, there was a lot in that book. I, you know what I'd love to do is now take that book and go um, Michael Pollan it, you know, and go like uh, do all the things that are in there and go to Thailand and right? go to, you know, well, we went to Jamaica. So that was that part we got to do, but I'd go back again. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I, there's, and, and again, I could, I could keep writing that book forever and ever and ever, I think, because um, we're going to keep learning more because we're going to be able to, because finally, you know, like the, the research channels are opening up for cannabis. And on note, I think we are over our time, but I would love to say that, you know, we're going to be going back down to Peru again, hopefully in April in 2020. And uh, why are you interested in coming again? Um, you know, I feel like uh, <laughs> I keep saying I don't know. But <laughs> you're feeling the call. I'm in. Well, I'm in a very like I don't know place. You know, I just was about to go. You know, I just kind of uh, ended my traveling in my airstream journey, um, and I've signed a lease for one year in Boulder while I figure it out. But I really don't know. I'm not. I, I would like to move forward with uh, a direction, but I'm just not sure. I'm not sure what that direction is right now. So I think I'm just uh, gonna go listen. And see what's uh, see if if I get any um, insight into really what uh, where I should be putting my efforts next. Interesting. So it's really a, a sort of a, a career and calling. Well, it's my personal life too. Oh yeah. <laughs> to it. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yes. Well, um, it's always a pleasure to talk with you, and you know we could talk all day. So okay. So lots of love and thank you so much. You bet. Thank you. This is great. 